Ready. Hey. Just in the middle of the field, 45, 50. Greengrass in front of him, leaving Lions in his way. I am Jeff Joniak. Blitz is on. Down he goes. Brisker. What was it like playing for Coach Dicka? Uh, I don't want to answer any questions like that. 61 yards. Ooh. A Sunday stroll for Justin Fields. Bears Etc. Brought to you by Miller Lite with the voices of the Bears, Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer. The Super Bowl is come and gone. Episode 55, though, coming alive here on the Bears Etc. Podcast with Super Bowl winning Bears guard Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. This podcast will also feature my interview with Hall of Famer Devin Hester on Friday of last week. He'll be enshrined with Bears legend Steve McMichael this summer and former Bears defensive end Julius Peppers in the class of 2024. And Tom... Let the Bears off season begin. Uh, the Bears put out, I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if anybody sent it to you. I should have. The Bears on their uh, X, X account, Twitter, sent out. Did you see the all the TVs? Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought that was hilarious. I didn't know it came from them initially, but it did. And so, yeah, lots of chatter will begin. We're going to recap the Super Bowl here briefly as well. It was uh, great theater. Uh, the overtime had my heart thumping. Uh, I was in the midst of almost uh, 95% Kansas City fans uh, watching that thing, and everybody wanted Pat Mahomes, and and again, the magic of Mahomes. And and what it underscored for me personally was if you don't have special at quarterback, you're not winning the Super Bowl these days. That's simple as that. You know, there's probably more to talk about in this podcast than any other podcast we've done up until this point because it does officially start the Bears off season. We're talking the morning after the the Bears Super Bowl. We're also talking about the morning after after a playoff rule change has come into effect. The worst decision by a head coach that's made some of the worst decisions during the course of the Super Bowl that has been made so far. And I'm talking about the decision Shanahan uh, made to a lot, take the ball first in overtime because what you're essentially doing is you're taking downs away from yourself and you're not really understanding what you need to do in order to prolong the game. And I know it went down to the final seconds of the fifth quarter. However, you put the status, you put the known to that quarterback that you're talking about in Patrick Mahomes, and I'm just – I sat there last night dumbfounded by the decision that they made after the overtime uh, toss of the coin. Well, according to uh, some of the reporting done on this, the 49ers, some of the players, including veterans like Eric Armstead and and some others, had no idea what the rule change was. He actually read it on the scoreboard, said it hadn't been addressed by the coaching staff, um, and then... Obviously, right, the Kansas a, City that's Chiefs. A double fault. That's yeah. a double fault of the coach, coaching staff. The Kansas City Chiefs talked about it all season back to the summer, the new rule change that will be effect in the playoffs, and they discussed it routinely every week. Chris Jones, the defensive tackle, said they knew exactly what they were going to do, and Jones even said this, if the Niners had scored a touchdown on their opening overtime possession to take the seven-point lead, the Chiefs were prepared to go for two if they scored on their ensuing possession. So they had the plan. And that is great coaching, and that is you can't leave anything to chance. you got to check all the boxes. Hey, what's fact, what's fiction? We're not in those locker rooms. We, we don't know. We're just going on what was reported. But uh, 25-22 Kansas City. I also got to give a, a huge shout-out, Tom, to Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator, because you think about these playoffs. And now he's won four Super Bowls as a defensive coordinator. Nobody's done that uh, in history. But you, you take on a Miami team that's all speed and blaze, right? 
took took them down. Uh, he takes care of Josh Allen in Buffalo. Yes, by the skin of their teeth on the road, though. He, he, he beats the league MVP, Lamar Jackson, in Baltimore. And then all that skill the 49ers have with, with Christian McCaffrey held him to 3.6 yards of carry, the lowest since Trent Williams has been their left tackle uh, and with him running by any defense. Uh, it's just it's a very impressive defensive job by Steve Spagnuolo. Oh, it is. Amazing. You know, you think about the San Francisco 49ers missing and getting an extra point blocked. Mm -hmm. They were calling it a miss by the kicker on TV, but essentially it was the hand up in the air that blocked the football. Um, So you talk about about the importance and the overall decision-making process when you're talking about Kansas City already resigned to the fact that they were going to have to go for two points. So there's a lot in there. But getting back to the defensive coordinator for Kansas City, brilliant guy. Um, great matchups. He didn't waste matchups. Um, he had pressure when he needed to bring pressure, and he brought pressure when the quarterback needed to read during the course of his cadence. He kind of put the emphasis on the lack of overall athleticism by the quarterback position, that if he got into a position that he was trying to retreat and throw the ball forward, he didn't have the mechanics or the strength in order to do that because you saw a number of times that as he was backpedaling, he was trying to make even short connections that either fell harmlessly to the ground or they were uncatchable footballs. Still completed 23 balls for 255 at a touchdown, no picks. But Debo, 11 targets, three catches. Now, I know I heard his hammy at at some point, and George Kittle clearly wasn't 100% and how he was defended. That's uh, that's leaving for the experts to break down the tape like yourself, but three targets, two catches, four yards, a non-impact in that game in terms of catching passes. On the other side of it, uh, Mahomes... Wow, just 34 46, 333, two touchdowns. Uh, Kelsey, 9 of 10 for 93. Pacheco did just enough, uh, caught all six of his passes for 33 yards and 59 on the ground. And then we got to give Dave Tobe, our old friend, a, a shout yeah. out too, because you mentioned the block. None of these things are by accident. And, and, right. and the bouncing ball of, of a punt, the fourth down that Doug Coletti, our statistician of note, <laughs> uh, brings up. He texted all of us yesterday hey, fourth down came into play again in two big ways. It hits a guy on the heel, turn the game around. And and maybe the Chiefs would have won anyway, but that certainly changed the context of the game for sure. Yeah. You know, and going back to the quarterback play of San Francisco, so they have a wide receiver that throws a touchdown and catches a touchdown. Yeah. And they didn't get that <laughs> out of the quarterback that a lot of people uh, debated during the course of the week how much of an, an effect on this game Brock Purdy would have. I don't have any disinterest in Brock Purdy after this game. However, when you give Patrick Mahomes the notification, look, you need a touchdown or else you're going home unhappy, that is the one guy that I would want not want to give that challenge to, no matter who's healthy and who's not healthy, who's playing, who hasn't produced. Because, man, uh, you know, I, I just think that when you, you know, you challenge him at the end of the game for such a meaningful game, there's no one worse that would want a challenge. He, he's won three Super Bowls trailing by 10 points in each one. Right. Uh, the Chiefs since 2019 are 5-1 and one in playoff games trailing. They, uh, they just stay. He, he's an eraser, and that's what he is. Fortunately, your teammate and our friend Steve McMichael uh, is alive. He is a Hall of Famer. And 
the video that was put together by the ESPN reporter, uh, nine and a half minutes that will just challenge your tear ducts, uh, was something else. Um, I'm certain you saw it. Uh, Misty was, um, his wife was uh, very much a part of it, had some great things to say. Uh, the emotion just pouring through about what this means to Steve, what this fight has been like since 2021, which you've witnessed up close uh, by, by visiting him many times. I did it once. Hard to go back. Just unbelievably tough. Uh, but he's a Hall of Famer. When we did this show last week, we didn't know yet for sure, but he's a Hall of Famer. How does that resonate with you, Tommy? You know, I was looking at some pictures of the group of guys that were surrounding him at his home while Misty was in Las Vegas, Matt Suey and Jim Morrissey and Jim Osborne, and just a crew of ex-players that, you know, show their undividing respect for Steve McMichael in the good times and the bad times. And I think the other night, Thursday night, while we were doing radio for ESPN 1000, it's kind of the good and the bad because you're getting the notification that you are a Hall of Famer, that you you deserve it, but then you have the unfortunate um, ALS, uh, you know, just the way life is with that. So I think uh, I'm super proud of Steve McMichael, and I think every guy there, every ex-teammate, every person that's ever been around him. Uh, this is what the sad part is for me is – if Ming would have got in 20 years ago when he deserved it, as much as he deserved it Thursday night, his speech up there would have captivated the audience. Yeah. And I would have loved to hear it in Steve McMichael's tone of just the admiration he had for all the other guys on stage with him, for the dedication to his career, thanking the people that have surrounded and supported him in only the way Steve McMichael could deliver it. Well, it'd be amazing, even in that digital uh, voice he can create with his eyes, if he could maybe come up with a couple sentences, and we know it came know right from me. I know that he's been doing that. Yeah. I know that he's been at the communication apparatus that ALS patients have, yeah. and he's able to uh, put together somewhat of uh, – um, a speech or whatever it is, you know, I am I am anxious to hear it. This episode of Bears Etc. brought to you always by Miller Lite. And for all your journeys ahead, go with a partner who has been on your team from the beginning, the one members and communities have trusted for over 85 years, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Illinois, always standing by you, with you, for you, through it all. Coming up, we've got Brig Avery going to join us. He hosts Hollywood and Ivy for the uh, Marquee Network uh, a local guy who has uh, parlayed his career path with Hollywood. We'll discuss with him that journey coming up. Uh, but also Devin Hester going to the Hall of Fame on his third crack. Uh, here's an interview I did with him on Friday uh, by way of uh, Zoom from Vegas for him. Hallis Hall with me. Take a listen. Devin, good to see you and uh, congratulations. First and foremost, I know it's been a long wait and... The obvious question is, how does it feel to be a Hall of Famer? I mean, it, it feels it feels great. You know, this morning, um, uh, waking up to all the te- well, the whole night of trying <laughs> to ignore all the text messages and all the phone calls, man. It was it's a, it was a great honor to to wake up this morning to really officially say that I am 2024 class Hall of Famer. So we're gonna take this in steps. Tell me how you found out Edger and James showed up at your house. You guys were going to be going 
driving in cars, right? His old cars? Yeah, so uh, Edgen called me about a week prior and was um, saying, hey, D, I've been in town. Um, you want to get up and go ride the old schools a little bit, ride around town, go grab some lunch, breakfast, whatever. And I was like, fine. And so uh, we planned for Thursday um, around about 10 o'clock. And so um, gave me a text message, letting me know the night before that, hey, I'll be around there. Make sure you have your car clean. So I'm up cleaning the car late at night, trying to get ready for tomorrow. <laughs> Obviously, he came, pulled up at the house, and I didn't get the knock. I got the horn. So he, he beat the horn, and when he as he, he beeping the horn, I you know ran to the door, and uh, just seeing all the camera guys and Edgar James with his his Hall of Fame jacket on, and that's when I knew it was official. Do you remember how you felt that in that instant? Most definitely, man. It was it was like as I was going to the door, that's when it really hit me, and I and I seen the camera guys racing to the front door, and it was like wow, man, like. It's all said and done. Like, it's, it's finally here. Devin, who's the first person you called? So the first person I called was my mom. And um, when I called, I let her know, hey, mom, I have some news to tell you. And I was like, mom, you know, um, out of all the women in the world um, that have sons that play the game of football, I can honestly sit here and tell you today that you're the 374th mother that can say that son is a Hall of Famer. And she just bust out crying and yelling and stuff. And it was just, it was overwhelming. I'm assuming you cried as well. Yeah, yeah, I cried a couple of times. I, I actually cried this morning um, as I was scrolling, looking at the text messages and stuff like that. And um, of course I hopped on Instagram and the first, first thing that popped up was my son. And he's home now in Orlando and he posted a picture of me in the Hall of Fame, and then the song that he put on the Hall of, on on it, it was just a testimony of how grateful he was that I was his father. You know what I mean? It, the way I opened up the opportunity for him. You know that's a great point, Devin, because not every Hall of Famer has been able to share with their own children. Some have passed on already and uh, were posthumously honored. Uh, how important is it that your kids at their age right now are watching this unfold for you? It's, it's very important because me as a father, I always want to set a good role model, be a good role model to them and, and to, to have them to be able to say, you know what, my father's a great role model and someone I, I can look up to. And everything that he does, he tries to make sure that it's the best and it's the right decision. So. I leave a great platform for those guys because I know eventually one day I won't be here. And um, that the moment that happens, you know what I mean? I hope that the foundation that I built for my three boys, that they will be able to, to, to continue the legacy and, you know, the name and to say that, hey, one day, you know what I mean, with their kids and their kids that, you know, you guys know that your grandfather was a, a great person on and off the field as well as a Hall of Famer. Back in September, you and I spoke at your home in Orlando, and we talked about the fact that you were not a first-round draft choice, you were not a first-ballot Hall of Famer, which was upsetting to you, but now you're the first return specialist in the Hall of Fame, so as you look back at all those emotions and now where you're at, how would you frame it? How do you feel about it? I feel, you know what I mean, I feel, I feel. Bless. 
And when I sit back and I look at it, when you go down the list of not being a first rounder, not being the whole, I mean, a um, first rounder, not being a first ballot Hall of Famer, but then I look back and you know what I mean. You think about the position that I, I'm in right now, and it's it's probably about I can't I don't even think it's more than one person that can really say besides right now my situation that a I'm a Hall of Famer but I'm the number one Hall of Famer in my category, in my position as a Hall of Famer. It's, 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 and when you look at everybody else, it could be an argument, you know what I mean? Um, who's the best quarterback? Who's the best running back, receiver, defensive back, linebacker? But to sit in my, my position in this special, unique situation where I can honestly say that I'm the best to ever do it when it comes to kickoff and punt return. I'm the number one kickoff and punt returner in the world. And it's a fact right now. Here's what also is a fact. And we talked about this as well. How throughout your whole football life, nobody knew where to play you, what you were. You're not defined as any particular position. But lo and behold, you're one of the best players of all time. You're going to be enshrined. You're going to be there for perpetuity. Now there's a place for you. And it happens to be the Pro Football Hall of Fame. How crazy is that? Most definitely, man. And, and you know what I mean? I had a conversation with my mom about the situation. And I was like, man, like, of course, you know what I mean? Everyone wants to start a role. You know what I mean? Everybody want to be the star running back, star receiver, whatever the case may be, a star position. And you know what I mean? When I sit back and I think about my situation, I'm like, wow, man, you know, why I couldn't be a starting cornerback? Why I couldn't be a star receiver? Why I couldn't be where I master a, a main position? And then, you know, my mom and I, we, and I talked about it. And I said, Mom, you know what? Really, really, when I sat back and I and I, I felt like I prayed about it and I asked God questions about that situation my whole my whole life. And when I got the opportunity to hear that I was going to be a Hall of Fame, I said, you know what? The I felt like God answered my my question, and the question that He answered was, listen. Sometimes what you want, it's not not always the best thing for you. Sometimes what you want, I may have something better in store for you. And so when I look back on I say, of course, yeah, if 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 this is what I want and I ask God, please make me a cornerback or a wide receiver, I can make you that. But guess what? You got 30, 40 people right now that you're competing with, right? And you can be in a situation where, yeah, you can be a corner, you can be an average corner. You could have made the Pro Bowl four or five times. You know what I mean? Who knows? Could have made the Hall of Fame at, at, at cornerback. But listen, I want to make you special. And I want to make you what I want to create you to be, which is a great returner. Not only the great returner, but the number one returner of all time. The best returner in the NFL history. That's what I have in store for you. And that's what I embrace. Is that I can honestly say that I'm the best to ever do it at my position that I was chosen to be in on this earth. So you're going in uh, with other bear ties. Steve McMichael, the legendary defensive tackle and Julius Peppers, who played four years with the Bears. How important is that as well to you, as this summer is going to be a summer of navy blue and orange? <laughs> I'm hopefully, man, that they, they see this trend, man, and they, they make sure that we have this game be. The Bears have to play in this game. You know what I mean? This is a no-brainer, you know what I mean? I don't know who the other team we may play against, but 
the fans have to be out and be able to see this game in Canton and um, to be able to sit and, and witness three great legends that came through the, the city of Chicago and to be honored. Um, us three guys as a uh, NFL Hall of Famer that actually played for Chicago Bears. That is, that is the moment that the city of Chicago needs right now. When you walked down to the stage at honors and the curtain came up to present the Hall of Fame class of 2024 and your name was announced, uh, can you tell me what your emotions were like? What was going through your head when you walked out there with all those guys? It was, it was, it was, it, it, it's, it's so hard to describe it, you know, because, you know, as a kid growing up, we, we don't think about it. When you, when you eight, nine, ten years old, you don't think about the Hall of Fame as a kid. You know, you think about what high school I'm going to play for, what pop won the team, you know what I mean? And then maybe what college I'm playing for. Um, and so to look further down in the future and to say that, wow, you know what I mean? When those curtains open up, like, this is the best award and pretty much the last award you can honestly get playing football. There's no other awards I feel like you can achieve. You know what I mean? This is the end of the road. This is like playing Super Mario and you, you beating King Cooper and you jumping on the flag. It's 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 no more playing. It's it's pretty much over. <laughs> and that's how that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> See, I I say one thing though. Knowing you as long as I have and how great you've been wherever you've played and you've explained to me how great you were even as a young kid, um, I, think, I think you knew you were going to get here. I really do. I think you knew way back to playing Pop Warner. You may not believe it, but I think you knew it deep down that you were going to be special. You agree with yeah, that? I yeah, most left. I, I can, I can, I could, I could sense that growing up as a kid, um, that I was blessed to be special when it came to football. Everything just came so natural and so easy to me, where it was effortless. And I knew being in the right situation and on the right team that the talents that I have, regardless of where I play, and that was, that's why it made me so special. And that's that's why I'm pretty much, you know, what I mean, a special team because. Of, I was so talented to do everything, you know what I mean? And regardless of where you put me at, I was going to succeed at it. Um, and, and that's the blessing that I was blessed with, and that's why I'm so special. There's also some special teammates, and you played with a bunch, but, you know, the names that pop into my head that were on those returns with you, blocking for you, you know, they pop up from Israel Adonage to Charles Tillman to Rashid Davis to Jason McKee. I'm missing guys, but a piece of them are going in with you to the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I know they realize it and they have pride in it. What would you say to those gentlemen and to Coach Dave Tobe and to General Manager Jerry Angelo and Coach Lovey Smith and that whole group? So, man, that whole organization on down from Lovey Smith to Jerry to Coach Dave Tobe, man, I, I appreciate the opportunity of uh, 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 jumping out on a limb. I know it was a big hesitant about me in the draft. And um, like you say, this kid here, um, great talent, but doesn't have a, a locked position. And to really, really take that chance and pull pull that trigger and 
and draft me was a great honor, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that I, I made them proud for the decision that they made. You know, some draft picks, you you know, some of some of the coaches that the GMs could be scratching their head right now, four or five years from now, saying why did we pick this guy? So I'm hoping that I made them proud, and as well as the city, and to go down to all my teammates and and, and to sit back and say, wow, you know what I mean? This was a team effort thing. And I know at the end of the day, none of these returns uh, uh, in Chicago or uh, just any of the accolades or the awards wouldn't be possible without those guys. At the end of the day, man, and and I just love that I was op- had an opportunity to play on a team like that where special team-wise, we really, really took special team seriously. We valued it and we made sure that this was a key three phase of our, our, our system and our, and our team. Oh yeah, and most definitely, man, I want to give a shout out to Mark Sadowski, man, because I know the story of Mark and what happened during the draft day in the room. And uh, man, I know that this guy here was was probably about to get in a fight with three, four guys in the draft room, man. And 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 for them guys to go ahead and say, hey man, this is your draft pick. We go we we this this gonna fall on you, man. And I'm hoping that, man, listen, I I made Mark proud as well. Yeah, Mark Sadowski, for sure. Chicago born and bred. He knew what he was talking about. Uh, do you, have you decided on your presenter yet? Uh, I haven't decided on that yet. That's going to be a tough one um, because I have so many special people in my life right now. Um, you know, it's, um, I guess when the time comes, it, I would just feel it and know that this, this is the right person for me. And uh, when that time comes, the world would know. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. And uh, you don't need any more nicknames. You don't need any time. You, you don't need Windy City Flyer. You don't need, you are ridiculous, because you are. But now, it's just Devin Hester, Hall of Fame, Class of 2024. You can actually sign that on your autographs now. Isn't that a great moment for you? Most definitely, man. It's like I say, man, this is, this is the end of the road when it comes to awards for me, man. And, and, and to really say that, you know what I mean? It's, it's history. Now the book is closed, the book is sealed. I hope this is this is a great book, you know what I mean? I hope it will sell millions. <laughs> and, and, and continue my legacy and my, my name and everything will be passed down through generations and always be remembered when it comes to NFL and, 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 and pro Hall of Fame. Well, you're very respected. Young players want to be you. Young players want to play like you. And young people want to be where you are right now. Congratulations very much. Pro Football Hall of Famer, class of 2024. Thank you, Devin. Appreciate so much. Appreciate you so much, Jeff, for all the amazing lyrics and and just going crazy in the booth man and i was telling everybody this morning i said man whenever i hear you talking um or yelling i feel like you're talking about me <laughs> <laughs> well you gave me a lot to describe i i took it as a challenge every single time you touched the football and as much as those guys got up off the bench to watch you you got to imagine what i had been going through because i had to capture that moment I captured all but one, all but one. I'll take it, man. You you really, you helped put me on the map too. So I appreciate you and I love you, brother. Love you too, Jeff, man. Well, Tom, all the emotion, all the gratitude, it's all there. Uh, So 
hey, whatever he felt before about not getting in, that's uh, that's history, and now he's very excited. I know you are as well. We all are. I really appreciated his shout-out to our broadcast and how we capture his uh, his amazing touchdowns in the return game. And I was I was sitting with people at, you know, the Super Bowl function I was at, and just seeing every kickoff become a touchback at the Super Bowl is right. just, it's angering me more every time. After we watched what we watched, with this Hall of Fame talent, unique, best ever, and you continue to have these touchbacks. It's a, it's it's awful. It's got to change. But anyway, your thoughts on Devin officially going to the Hall of Fame and what you, you heard in that interview? Well, you know, I, I've heard you interview a lot of players over the years, and I, I enjoy every one of them. But one thing that I loved about the interviews that I've recently watched, not only the one you did during the season, but this one that you recently did, is how much it meant to Devin. Because I think as we broadcast the game for these active players, we don't really get to tap into what their emotional attachment is to the game that they're playing. And then when you get an opportunity to listen to a lengthy uh, uh, interview by Devin Hester during the season, then you get to listen to another one right at the Hall of Fame announcements are made. It kind of... um, it, it inspires me because I'm glad it's been important to him because you don't know it until you actually hear it and see it. And I'm glad what I've got to hear and see to understand the importance in the role of football, not only played in his life, but is going to play in the future lives of the Devin Hester family. No question. Game day snacking calls for good foods, chunky guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while the Bears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. When it's time to tackle some game day deals, then go with the grocer who's been a part of Chicago since 1899. Jewel Osco, the official grocery store of the Chicago Bears. Jeff and Tom, back with you on the Bears Etc. Podcast, episode 55, and we're brought to you by Miller Lite. Joining us now, sports journalist and podcast host, Brigham Avery. He goes by Brig with us, and he's got a lot of connections to Chicago and Hollywood. And you've seen it on Marquee Sports Network, uh, interviewing uh, some of the great Hollywood stars with Chicago Connections. Thanks for taking the time to join us, and did you survive Super Bowl 58? I, I did, and it's such a pleasure to be with you, you Jeff and Tom. Uh, you know, it as you say, football is great. I loved it. It was a lot to watch. It was exhausting to watch that Super Bowl. But uh, I tell you, the defensive lines really brought it. But we, we talked about, um, you know, I, I would talk about turnovers and how important they are to during to, as far as making victories happen. But, yeah, I, I survived. Yes, it was very exhausting. I'm glad you guys did it, too. And it's been 38 years, Tommy, since uh, the Bears have won a Super Bowl, of which you played in. And, and you brought up, uh, well, Brig actually brought it up uh, during the break here. We were talking about, uh, the Bears fumble early in that game, and you still have nightmares. I, I do. I know that Briggs said uh, Jim McMahon took responsibility for it because we didn't have the right formation. However, when you look at the fundamental and the technique of the play, it was more my fault. I'm working a combination block with Keith Van Horn, and I kind of read it incorrectly, and I let Garen Varis split us and hit Walter Payton before he controlled the fumble when I was going up to the linebacker, Stevie Nelson, but Briggs and Jeff, you got to take this into account. As a Chicago guy growing up in Joliet, I was walking off the field at the second play of the game going, oh, my God, I'm from Chicago, and I could be responsible for the Bears losing a Super Bowl. And you know, Brig, you're familiar with Chicago sports as well as anybody, and all those memories of Chicago sports failure goes through your head 
And that's what I was thinking as I went to the sideline. And if you remember, Tom and Jeff, the Patriots were big for getting turnovers. They'd beaten the Raiders. They'd beaten the Dolphins. That's still one of the most amazing postseason runs, I would say, is the 85 Patriots going on the road and taking all those teams down, specifically using turnovers. And you guys turned it over, and everybody's thinking, oh, boy, this is an omen. But, um, you know, that was not the story that day, thankfully. You would have never been able to no, live with yourself. I would oh, have. I would have oh, been, it would have been unrecoverable. <laughs> and um, I would have felt the wrath of all Chicago sports fans uh, for, you know, for my life. You know, Brig, I when I was first talking to you, I was amazed your mental recall of the entirety of the Bears' life. Have you ever met one of the celebrities, one of the Hollywood people, a Chicago person that has as quality as mental sports recall of that you have? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I've just been talking a lot, guys, and I know that we're uh, so you're much younger than I am, but but I all know we watched Taxi at some point in our lives, and Mary Lou Henner. Uh, has something, she's also from Chicago. She yeah. has something, gentlemen, called HSAM. And HSAM is an acronym for Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory. And so you you can kind of, I don't know if I, I don't have it like she specifically does, but there's some traits that I've learned, especially in this tra- in this show and recalling, you know, uh, just as, as far as this stuff. And we talked, Jeff, in our first conversation, Tom and I talked a lot about the 85 Bears and about the 86 Bears and kind of, you know, what, what led to, you know, unfortunately that a team that I feel should have won at least three Super Bowls. And I, I remember the penalties, the turnovers, and all kind of those specifics that, that just kind of, it's amazing, but, but I love to remember it's a passion that I have. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, it's like you guys, Tom, you walk out on the field and, and, and you smell, you know, the, whatever it is, uh, the football field, the essence, the, you know, that, and, and Jeff in the broadcast booth, you know, I just like, I love, it's a passion that I have for, for Chicago and for, um, you know, just remembering the sentimental realities of sports and life. All right. So we've seen you on marquee and, uh, how did you get to know Cicero's very own and Chicago sports fan, Joe Montagna, that you guys started working together. He's the executive producer of the show that you guys work on. And how did that relationship yes, start? Uh, it seems, uh, well, seems it's interesting. amazing. Yeah, did you, I don't know how much time you guys have uh, both, well, I know Tom Search in Hawaii. You probably fly through L.A. on your way to Hawaii. I don't know how much time you guys spent here in, in Southern California through the years. Joe had a place called Taste Chicago. It was an Italian, uh, you know, food, specifically Chicago food. And, and I had a podcast that we broadcast live from his restaurant. And on August, like, 28th, 2016, we had him on, and he talked about the Cubs winning the World Series. We made kind of a prognostication, kind of like what they have in Groundhog Day, where, you know what I mean? And so he came on as Fat Tony and said, if the Cubs don't win this year, there's not going to be a cement shoe shortage for umpires, <laughs> something of that nature. It was hilarious. And so it's kind of like Jeff and Tom, the first party in old school. Remember that Mitchapalooza? Everybody just kind of hangs around there. So we called that World Series, Joe and I did. And ever since then, what I realized in that moment talking to Joe is that Cub fans have a connection with each other and Hollywood celebrities have a connection with being Cub fans. There's so many of them that you can talk about the sentimental value of being a Cub fan and what it's like for someone like Vince Vaughn going to Wrigley Field as a kid, then coming back and throwing out the first pitch. So that kind of chemistry, that, that, you know, that unique understanding of Cub fans, of Chicago people, 
and really of Hollywood celebrities kind of coming together in that unique moment. Well, the interesting know? thing about that, too, and, and, and we can make the connections because uh, everybody's a sports fan at some level, but uh, performers, uh, as we all are in this business and uh, the guys that play between the white lines, uh, whatever the sport may be, uh, there is a similarity. There is a uh, a passion for what you do and this never-ending search for perfection and excellence and to be liked and to just make your mark. And so you've made that natural connection with the love of sports and this Hollywood gang uh, of Chicago natives. Uh, how, how fulfilling has this been for you? And uh, give us some of your favorite moments with some of these celebs. Well, it's amazing, Jeff and Tom. I will tell you this, one of the best moment I had was talking to Bob Odenkirk and the great Bob Odenkirk, what he specifically said and what he communicated uniquely was what it means and how we all become Cub fans and how that happens, gentlemen, is the fact that the reality of the Cubs being a day baseball team and the fact that it's so hot in Chicago during the summer and what you do is you go to the pool during the day as a kid and you're with your babysitter, then you come back and you're in your bathing suit and you sit, you sit in the den and it's so hot outside, you have all the, the blinds closed and the air conditioning's blasting and you look at WGN and you see the Cubs colors, the images, you know, it is the aesthetic, the Cubs aesthetic. And so you sit there and you just, you become a Cubs fan because you sit there every day during the summer and watch, w, watch Harry and Steve talking about the Cubs. You see the ivy, you see the blue, you know, the sky, the, the white clouds, everything. And it's, it's quite amazing. So Bob talked about that, about that's what, really makes a generation and what makes Chicagoans Cub fans is the fact that every day they would sit in front of the TV during the summer and just, it would just be in you. You know what I mean? It would just it, kind of um, uh, a process, you know what I mean? But, it, but it, the way he painted the picture was amazing. And so speaking to Bob Odenkirk was great. Uh, talking to Billy Corrigan about the connection with his grandmother, taking him to Wrigley Field once a year and how she would listen to the Cubs every day. And she would cry if they lost. I'm talking about lost a day game in July. You know, she was very emotionally attached. And so just the un unveiling of the passion, Jeff, is, is really what I, I love and kind of hearing and, and peeling back that reality of so many great stories and great passionate fans and what they've done. You know, uh, James Belushi talking about the last movie he was in or, or, or Tupac was the last movie he was in was with James Belushi called Gang Related. And James Belushi would sit with Tupac Shakur and they would talk about Frank Sinatra and Tupac had never heard of Frank Sinatra. He never heard fly me to the moon until James Belushi played it. Wow. And one of the things about this memory is I like to remember dates and Tupac finished filming gang related with James Belushi and died about three weeks later. Mm. So just, and then I'm able to remember this and, and, and recapture this and, and reignite these emotions and these feelings and these moments is with, with Belushi was great. So that's a collection. And, and please, you can check out my YouTube channel at Brigham Avery Productions and see all the episodes right now. So please do that and enjoy. And, and there's a lot more of this. So if you like if you like what you heard, we got more. You know, what's amazing about uh, Chicago sports is, you know, we're lucky enough to live through the Michael Jordan era. We recently had a World Series with the Cubs. We had the World Series with the White Sox. But with a couple of, I know, friends, Tom Dreesen and Adrian Zamed, spending the week with those guys in New Orleans during our Super Bowl run. And it's kind of amazing, no matter what the sports success are, the Chicago in comes out in all of these guys. Yes. And I know Adrian told me the other day that you're a former comedian, and I don't know if he just says thinks you're a funny guy or a comedian. But I, I, anyways, well, I, 
I think the attraction of sports kind of attaches all Chicagoans to each other. And just some, I'll tell you the story, the way Adrian tells his story is that you guys remember Dance Fever, don't you? Sure, we all do. We watch Dance Fever on Saturday afternoons. Adrian yeah. was the host of Dance Fever, and yeah. the great Merv Griffin was the Merv Griffin was the executive producer. And during your Super Bowl, Tom, he gave Merv gave Adrian two limousines, three <laughs> suite hotels, and you guys just that was kind of your bread and butter for partying it up in New Orleans, right? Clear the <laughs> yes, French quarter, fire up the gumbo. So he told, and 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 the driver was a unique person. I'm told unto himself. Uh, oh, so yeah. <laughs> in many essences, Hollywood, Hollywood and Chicago interacting January 1986. Amazing. Right. And Adrian, I mean, t- he got to work with Heather. His, his co-stars were Heather Locklear, Michelle Pfeiffer. And he was in a student film with Daryl Hannah where they were in a like a ranch out in Oregon. And, and, you know, she was his love, love interest. So, I mean, you know, he got to do those things, yet he's still real enough. To you know, and he was in Bachelor Party too. He's still real enough to come and, and 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 obviously party with the Bears, but obviously hang out with a great guy like me too. So he he, he never forgot who you know who he is. You know, yeah. But, you know that that's the great thing about it is is having the opportunity to grow up in Chicago, be part of the Super Bowl team, then have kind of an attachment of people that we admire from watching them on TV and going, wow, right? these guys. It's sports is important to these guys, and it's kind of cool and. For you to have that type of exposure to these modern-day guys, it's got to be thrilling for you as well. Hey, Brig, who's the biggest Bears fan among the Hollywood elite out there that uh, have the Chicago ties from your perspective? Because we've seen, well, you know, no, Bill Murray's I'll, been I'll on this. I'll tell you who it is. Okay, I'll tell you who it is. And he is because of, Jeff, because of who he is and what he is. is It's it's a repeti- the history, the essence, is George Went. Yeah. George Went, can't, you can't, you know, with the Bears and just yeah. everything, with him being captured as a super fan. And I would say... He is the biggest as far as passionate fan. I think Vince Vaughn is probably, I, I would imagine, just just dialed in with with a lot of what they do. Um, and um, I think Gary Cole's a pretty big Bears fan. But George Went, you just have to give it to him for sentimental value. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. It's, it's everything that um, that he was and did. And he has some amazing stories too. So Adrian's Med was on the love boat with Tim Reitman. Did you guys know that? And that there were. The- <laughs> Tim, I guess Tim, whoever he was dating at the time, there were these famous sisters, these hot 80s twins that were on a lot of stuff. They were Aaron Spelling favorites. And so Tim Reitman and Adrian Smed were actually on the love boat. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, he was a UCLA guy, so he had the L.A. Uh, connection, Tommy. Did you know that? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I knew that. I've, um, I've gone to a couple of L.A. haunts with him when he was in his heyday. And I'm trying to think of his um, – his girlfriend's name at the time, it'll, it'll come to me eventually. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you see the picture of these women, they're unforgettable. Um, but um, it, uh, you know, that, and then, uh, you know, the other, the, the great thing too is that I feel too, I'm so happy and, and, and it's unique that these bears are getting recognized in the Hall of Fame. I love seeing Mongo get in. I love seeing Devin Hester get in. There was nobody like Devin Hester as far as somebody that would take the ball and, and could score at any time. And, and the closest thing I saw to that was a former alumni of yours, Tom, named Rocket Ismail. So it, it's kind of nice to see someone like Devin Hester take that to the next level of the NFL and do what he did. And, um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways he's the MVP of that 2006 season. So it, it's great to see the past and the future Bears going to be enshrined in Canton in August of 2024. I look forward to seeing Mongo and Devin Hester, kind of a bookend, guys, of, of then and now. 
Yep. Well, uh, representing the last two Bears Super Bowls, that's for sure. And we, we've seen 38 years go by. I found it interesting. I, I read about the, how long it has taken some franchises to repeat or even get into the Super Bowl again. But it, this is crazy. Like, you don't put this in perspective. And you're talking about some great franchises here. So the Jets, it's been 55 years. 50 for the Miami Dolphins. And we look yeah. at the Dolphins, or the Shula Dolphins, as, you know, and it is what it is. 40 for the Vegas Raiders now. 38 for the Bears. 32 for Washington. 29 for the 49ers, despite the fact they've been in 19 NFC title games since 1970. 28 for Dallas. And 12 franchises have yet to win a Super Bowl, including the Lions and Vikings. So it's not easy. There's nothing easy about it. Uh, Kansas City uh, is making it look easy at times here. Uh, San Francisco now has lost three straight Super Bowls. So mm. that's that's a tough one for them. I, or maybe it's four. Wait a second. Let me go back on that before we continue. I got to make sure here. Just read this. Yeah. Yeah, no. It was the 49ers. The 49ers are now the fifth team to lose three straight Super Bowls. Buffalo, Minnesota, Denver, and Cincinnati. So we talk yeah. about, hey, you know, you got to win a Super Bowl. You got to Everything's got to be about winning a Super Bowl. Uh, but it's arguably the hardest thing to do is to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't have the right quarterback and coach connection, you're likely not going to win the Super Bowl. There's going to be some outliers, but you're not going to win the Super Bowl. We hope, Brig and, and Tom, this offseason is going to be special for the Bears. It certainly is set up that way to have a lot to talk about, uh, maybe for Super Bowl 59 uh, as we near that uh, next arrival in New Orleans. But, Brig, uh, we're going to let you go. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And tell us once more what you guys are working on and what's ahead for you. We we Hollywood Ivy Hollywood and Ivy excuse me currently on the Marquee Sports Network. My YouTube channel is Brigham Avery Productions. All episodes there, and then Joe Montaigne. I got a lot cooking, so I, I look forward to to coming back and maybe bringing some celebrities or, or connecting you guys to some of the people we spoke about because I, I know they'd love to come on. I think they'd be great guests. So Hollywood and Ivy currently on Marquee, Brigham Avery Productions on YouTube, and the future is is looking bright. We, I can't wait to tell you what Joe Montaigne and I have cooked up and and what we're going to do. It, it's going to be amazing. And thank you so much for your time. Honored to speak to both of you, you quality gentlemen. Appreciate it. Best of luck to you, man. We're looking forward to hearing more. Tommy, any final thoughts it. for the guy here? Your man, Brig Avery. Listen, man, I love Chicago celebrities. I like to cook, and I like to hear what he's got on tap uh, because, you know, we all, you know, see the marquee and what they got going over there. So I'm excited what Brig is going to introduce us to next. And Tom, thank you so much for having me, buddy. I really appreciate you you, you connecting me. It's great to talk to a, a Notre Dame guy, a Chicago guy, and a quality guy. Can't wait to talk you know, to you. Thanks, we, guys. It's hard to pass Vince Vaughn in the Rudy movie. I don't want to go there. Right? You know, I, I grew up no. with Rudy, oh. and it's had to be a big thrill for him. At the, the biggest thrill, and, I, and John Favreau is in that too. You know, yes. He's kind of a, yes. a precursor to what he is. Uh, he, he, you know, he's big, then he loses weight, then he gets big again. So it's, it's kind of <laughs> nice to see how he, how he ends up in that, you know, pre swingers before they were swinging, they were in South Bend. <laughs> the, the character that he played in the movie was a really good friend of mine when I went to Notre Dame and oh, it's wow, kind really? of funny to oh, see my. the, the guy, the character that he played in the movie was actually the bartender <laughs> in the scenes at Corby's. So, oh my little, God. Wow. Unbelievable. Food for and I, I love how I love how he would correct himself from swearing to my girlfriend says I can't say that no more. So you know what I mean? I, I, he would correct himself from using foul language with double negatives, which is a win win for all of us guys. <laughs> yes. I think I'm sounding like Vince Vaughn now, you know? <laughs> Outstanding. One of the best. All right, we appreciate yeah. you, Brick. Thanks for your time.
Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day. Bear down. Bear down, guys. Bear down. Vizzy Heart Seltzer. Flavors for every vibe. Celebrate responsibly. Molson Coors Beverage Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And it tastes like Miller Time fans. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. A lot on the table for the Bears here. Got a lot on the table. Uh, They're heading into this offseason. As I mentioned to Devin, it's going to be a navy blue and orange summer. Uh, We hope it's going to be a navy blue and orange 2024 season. Uh, But they are going to dominate the headlines. Whatever is up their sleeves, we're going to start digging in deep because the Combine's about two weeks from now, and that's when it gets serious. And shortly after that, they made their deal last year. Will they do that again? That will be the question. But everything is lining up for the Bears to be including the Hall of Fame. And we don't know for sure if the Bears will be in the Hall of Fame game, but the attention of the Bears certainly is going to be there regardless. So it's uh, refreshing, and we're looking forward to seeing what what is going to happen here, Tommy. I don't know. I really don't know. Is it refreshing, Jeff? It's frustrating to me because I have an opportunity, whether I'm walking the dogs or sitting around home, and uh, there's always sports playing in the background. And from whatever... Avenue I'm listening to the ESPN 1000 app or whatever. Um, the The amount of the conversation, I don't know if it's refreshing to me, it's but it's, it's it's a little frustrating because everybody has an opinion, and the only opinion that really matters is Ryan Poles, and we don't get a chance to hear him talk very often. And every everything that you hear from him is an assumed, you know, thought. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's gonna it's I think obviously it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna a little be bit more difficult yeah. than it is refreshing. But I know this, and you've you've you're not one to uh, you you give deep thought to a lot of stuff. And I know you've said in the past this training camp is going to be like no other. Uh, this off season is going. You've said this many times before. With the hope at the right. end of the rainbow, we got something to talk about in a title contender. But I think this will eclipse all. I do. I just think this is going to be the one that's going to be the most memorable. That could have the biggest impact. Camp. They're going to training camp with a lot more. You yeah, know, yeah. It seems like last year when we sat at training camp, we talked about Tariq Stevenson. We talked about Terrell Smith. We talked about how good certain aspect of the team was playing. We didn't know what was going to happen uh, with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. You know, and now we're going to be talking about Montez Sweat and some of his complimentary pieces. So there's a lot more at the beginning of the conversation than there has been in the last few years. It's game day snacking calls for good foods. Chunky guacamole made with Haas avocados, tomatoes, onions, cilantro, and a squeeze of lime juice. It's the perfect snack to watch while the Bears win. Score some today at your local grocery store. Game day is guac day. That's going to wrap us up this week. For Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. And thank you to our guest, Brig Avery, this week. Please subscribe now on the Bears official app, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bear down, everybody. <laughs>